welcome to another edition of the Independent Grind Podcast, a conversation about the independent coffee shop and why we love her. To all of our listeners out there, to the ones who've been with us since day one, and the ones just joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a show for the grinders, by the grinders. Share us with your friends, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and most important of all, remember to sip local and tip well. Now, before we get to the show, John, I believe we are our listeners. A few facts on tap. The fastest time to drink a cup of coffee is just 3.66 seconds and was achieved by Luke in London on the 5th of December 2020. Luke has been drinking coffee since the age of six or seven and recalls drinking his parents' coffee when they had their backs turned because he loved it so, so very much. As he grew older, he drank coffee more regularly and would often gulp a hot cup of coffee without even thinking about it. It was only when somebody else pointed out how quickly he would finish a hot beverage that he realized he might just have a gift. As far as he knows, nobody else in his family can drink hot drinks so quickly. And as we now know, no one else in the world can drink coffee so quickly. Luke uses the time he saves waiting for tea or coffee to cool each morning on exercise, writing, reading, playing guitar, and of course, to start brewing another pot of coffee. His go-to coffee order in a cafe is a black Americana. It's not clear if he sips local, but he certainly sips fast. When asked what becoming a Guinness World Record holder means to him, his response was simple. I have been buying and reading the Guinness Book World Record since I was a kid and have always been in awe of the record holders. To see what humans are able to achieve when they put their mind to something. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he, he takes himself really seriously. Um, sorry. To see what humans are able to achieve when they put their mind to something is, not, is nothing short of inspiring. So to be a part of that would be something that's truly special. Standing shoulder to shoulder with some of the amazing talents in the record books would be a dream of mine. I'm happy to join them now. Shoulder to shoulder with all of the best record holders, Michael Phelps and Luke, standing side by side. Yeah, he and I mean he and Usain Bolt are basically the same, just different uh, different sports. Can't you just see him flipping through the Guinness Book of World Records at the library, like just downing coffee, just like where is it? Where's the record? Sorry, I got. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I uh, I was just really distracted thinking about the world record. Thinking about Luke, It'd be great to have him on the show someday. <laughs> you should leave that in there. There's four comments. <laughs> so on the uh, on the on their website, there's four comments. One 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 person asks. Well, what are the requirements for this challenge if someone were to try to compete? And then someone said, is it hot coffee? Is is hot coffee the record or can it be iced coffee? And then someone said, no, it needs to be 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. I feel like I could beat 3.66 seconds. Generally, it takes me about three to four hours to finish a cup of coffee. So I don't think I could. Well, let's just slide right into a very special episode that we have here. First, I want to cede the floor to 
John, to tell us about a big life change that he has going on. Chicago. That uh, song comes to mind, Frank Sinatra. I can't remember what the lyrics are. I was going to start to kind of sing the jingle, but we're in Chicago. So the Windy City, Chicago, that toddling town, that's it. Chicago, Chicago, I will show you around. That's your bottom dollar. You have some fun in Chicago, Chicago. You know, it's it's the, uh, it's the town that Billy Sunday couldn't shut down. That's what they say. Some good news, bad news on the Chicago front. Chicago is an incredible city getting here right as it's starting to warm up. The bad news is that almost a fifth of downtown Chicago is vacant. There are very little signs of life when it comes to independent coffee shops. The chains have really dominated the landscape during the pandemic. We're monitoring the situation. Boots on the ground here in Chicago, but it does not look good. I mean, is there any sign of, of life stirring again? Are we seeing any coming soon signs? No, and I, I told you this offline. The, only, the closest thing I can find to any sort of independent business that's still up and running is there's a used bookstore across the street from where we're staying in the North River community of downtown Chicago. But aside from that, I mean, the smallest coffee shops I could find all have like double digit locations. Like the closest well, we have to an independent coffee shops is shops that were independent like 10 years ago. It's like we started with one cafe and now we have 14 scattered around the city. <laughs> it's like that one you were telling me about. What's it called? Foxtrot? Yeah, Foxtrot has 12 locations in Chicago and then they're also located in D.C., Virginia and another city they're everywhere it just would have been hard for for me to look at you with a straight face if if you tried to review foxtrot it would have been hard for me to look myself in the mirror if i had reviewed foxtrot well perhaps next week if if things are still looking pretty bleak in chicago we'll we'll get an episode uh diving into the indie bookstore scene listen we're focused on the independent business that's what we're all about. Preferably coffee. But hey, it's 2021. Sometimes you got to pivot. You got to adapt. That's what I'm learning here in Chicago. The only caveat, of course, is donuts. We're, we don't really care where we get our donuts. Yes, really true. Although I am still, I'd like to report, I am still donut free since like the 13th of March. So I'm like 10 days in now, maybe longer. But I've not, I've not cracked yet. The year without a donut challenge is still well underway. For any new listeners, I'm going a year without a donut. Yeah, you should be able to do it. Just like, you know, you should be able to sit down and have three cookies instead of a dozen. Oh, that's a good point. But it never one is one is one too many, and two more is never enough. All right. Well, given the constraints that that you have going on in Chicago, we thought. This would be a great time to just talk a little bit of music. Music is a big deal on the show. We wanted to talk about some independent artists that we like. Um, and right before we hopped on the show, we just found out that, wait for it, James Blunt released a single. I, honestly, I was gonna I was gonna wait till the end. Let's I need to hear. I need to hear what, what Jimmy's yeah, so- got for us. Like a flashback in the dark, adrenaline, adrenaline, 
James, you've done it again. Give me your top five James Bond songs. I mean, it's like an Ooh, impossible man. question. Like, I don't even know how you, I don't even know how you go about even starting to analyze that because I would say, I mean, I love the song "Smoke Signals" from his EP. Came out six, seven that years ago. He is phenomenal. It's so good. Uh, Postcards. That was the first James Blunt song I ever heard. You played it for me, and I was like, I'm hooked. So Long Jimmy is is also from his first album. It's so good. My, my brother's name is James, and so I was thinking about him. So Long Jimmy. Which shout out, happy birthday, James. Yeah, happy birthday, James. We're recording this on March 23rd. <laughs> He'll be he'll be thrilled. He's a, a longtime listener. Hopefully, he listens this week. Um, and then I've had to give two more. Man, this is tough. Okay, the the acoustic version of what's the Miss America? Sorry, the, oh, the acoustic I version totally, of Miss America. Is totally forgot incredible. about Miss America. I appreciate you played that one for me too. That that one just it slaps slaps you in the face. All right, what are your like? Give me your top three, James Blunt songs. So 1973 for sure. Tears and Rain, just because that was when I first discovered retrospectively or in hindsight that James Blunt is an incredible songwriter. At the time, I just kind of listened to it and I was like, oh, this is a nice song. But listen to these lyrics. Find comfort in pain, all pleasures the same. It just keeps me from trouble. Hides my true shape like Dorian Gray. Like a lot of you, at the time I first heard that, I had not read the book, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, published around the turn of the, or just before the turn of the 20th century. The book is about this guy who pursues pleasure and, and you know, to its end and discovers that it's all pretty meaningless. James Blunt just dropping over just a, absolute zinger over here and i was thinking when i initially heard it when i was 15 or 16 that this was a shade of gray so 1973 tears and rain and there's a deep cut we haven't mentioned that i know you love and i'm gonna if you don't say it i'll, I'll don't worry I'll, i've got it covered i really feel like i need to say 2005 yes that's exactly the one i was gonna say <laughs> which is a it's not a parody but it's just a hilarious uh it's not hilarious. It's, it's, it's brilliant songwriting. It's so yeah, good. It's, it, it's just a. It's such an insightful song about his blow up hit "You're Beautiful," written nearly 15 years after the fact. Yeah, everyone. Every time I mention James Blunt, people are like, "What kind of music do you like?" I like mention some different people, and I'm like, "I mean, I like James Blunt." And they go, "Who?" I'm like, huh. "I take a deep sigh," and then I say, "You know the song You're Beautiful.'" They go, "Oh yeah, I know that song." <laughs> It's like, well, it hits him. And it turns out that's like his least best song. There's lots of other great music that he's put out. They go, oh, okay. And then I'm sure they don't listen. That's how I feel about Passenger. When people are like, who's Passenger? They're like, let her go. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> What's the Passenger song that people need to go like watch live where he has the audience completely silent? Oh, it's, he does a cover nope. of The Sound of Silence. The Sound of Silence, and he has. Oh yeah, man, that would be such a. That would be, that would be like a top ten live experience. You get to hear him perform that live. I need to. I need to make a better effort to go see see these artists while they're in their prime. Let's talk about what we actually intended to 
you're going to highlight an independent artist that people should listen to. I'm going to highlight one. And we're just going to spread the good indie vibes. I'll kick us off. I want to highlight a very talented up-and-coming artist, Chapman Witted. Many people will know his hit song, Look Out Mountain Love. Although, in my estimation, his song Moving On is by far and away one of his best tracks. He recently came out with Songs for Christmas, which came out this past Christmas season with some excellent seasonal tunes. He recently performed live with Andrew Peterson, a more established, older, seasoned artist. If you look Chapman up on Spotify, here's a plug. He says, hi, my name is Chapman, and I love to sing and play music. And he's really good at it. Side note. He didn't write that. That's, that's me talking. I'm not a big fan of being in the limelight, but I really love people. So I write music that deals with things I believe every human being experiences. I travel around and play these tunes, which despite my aversion to being on stage, is a blast. The best part? Getting to meet people like you. Man, independent artists. By the people for the people. The person who resonated with my music enough to read my bio, thank you. He says he draws heavily, as far as influence goes, from artists like Gregory Allen Isakov and Jose Gonzalez. He says his goal is to blend their styles with that of like Coulter Wall and Tyler Childers. Alternative Appalachian American folk. You heard it here first. God bless. Yeah, there's definitely some folksy alternative mountain vibes coming out of Chapman Wooded's music. Really distinct voice. Really talented with the acoustic guitar. Also a great follow on Instagram. Guy's got an eye for photo taking. He's just got a great vibe, particularly like if you're just sitting by a fireside wanting to listen to some great tunes with some friends. I think he's got got a, uh, a very diverse set of set of uh, sound. I heard him play live my senior year of college in a like Battle of the Bands type event. It wasn't a Battle of the Bands. It was a but it was a music competition. It was one of those events where like 10 to 12 acts play and then the audience votes on their favorite. And if you've ever been to an event like this, if you're really good, you want to go as close to the end as possible so that you're fresh on people's mind. Chapman had to go first. And I was like, oh man, people are going to like, are going to watch 11 or 12 other people perform after him. They're not going to like, he lit the room on fire. Wrote, he, he performed one of his own songs. It was super, super good. And I was like, man, people are going to forget. The dude still placed, I think he was either second or third in the competition. And I think he easily would have won had he gone a little bit closer to the end. I mean, to finish in the top three, having gone first, was was it was validating to me. I mean, we want him to get big because we want him to be successful. But at the same time, it's like, ah, the bigger someone gets, you don't want to necessarily share them with everybody. You don't want to be mainstream. It's like, oh, it's just, it's almost like he's just playing for you at this point. On my end... I would love to highlight one of my favorite artists of all time that a lot of people will not know, a guy named Almond Brown. Again, that is Almond, not Almond. A lot of people think of the nut when I say it, but it's it's like Greg Almond. <laughs> Almond Brown, a guy from the UK, just a, an absolutely phenomenal songwriter, incredible voice. And here's the best part is that he's been at it for a while and his most popular song came out in like 2012. Uh, it's a song called Sons and Daughters. So I feel very confident that the people who know about him and love him at this point are his loyal followers. And you don't need to worry about just uh, some flash in the pan. Almond Brown is here 
providing you music because he loves to do it. Um, so a couple songs I would recommend, that, you know, Sons and Daughters is a great one. Um, Fires, really, really good one. Um, Home off of his most recent album. Um, Foolish Love, also a really great one. Just go check him out. I was supposed to see him in Atlanta, of all places, two May, I guess, almost two years ago, uh, May of 2020. Obviously got canceled because of COVID. Um, they did not reschedule it. It's uh, it's weighed heavy on me, but I've uh, I've managed to kind of turn a corner. Um, you know, it only took about 18 months for me to get over it. But anyways, hope everyone uh, is ready to enjoy um, some great music this week. Go support your independent artist. Really, I mean, you know, we're not we're not a um, opposed to people who are popular if they're if they're churning out high quality art. Um, but you know the the verb churn in and of itself makes makes me skeptical of of high quality art. So it raises look. the question we've discussed many times. At first, you write music for the love of making music. Sometimes you get famous and you have to ask yourself, am I making this music because I want to sell records or am I making this music because this is the music that I want to make? Is this the art I want to create? Yeah. Are you making coffee because you want to sell coffee or are you, <laughs> are you making coffee because this is the coffee you want to make? We've done our <clears throat> service to the independent artists. I feel like we did them justice. Absolutely. Now let's dive in, finish out this episode with a big burst of energy. That's right. It's time for... A few shots of espresso. Now, because we have the Windy City on our minds, I got to ask, Chicago or New York? Nah, it's, it's probably an unfair question. You, you just got to Chicago. I'll move on. We'll move on. Neither. <laughs> You're just a small town southern boy. You can't, can't hide it. Give me the suburbs. And give me warm weather. I make no apologies. The suburbs or the small town? The suburbs. You're a burbs, so you can do the burbs in Chicago. Yeah, but I'm not right now. You know where you should go? You should go to Naperville. Great spot. Phenomenal restaurants. Well outside the, the, the rat race of Chicago. If you do go there, there is a great independent chocolate shop and cafe for you to review called La Chocolat Bouchard. I was there on a work assignment a couple of years ago, went there pretty much every night. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. I just pulled it up. Oh, this place looks awesome. I would sit at the bar, do some writing, drink a, a milkshake and a mocha. And yeah, I mean, there's just maybe get a few chocolates. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I was, I was pretty liberal with how much chocolate I was having. What temperature do you think Lake Michigan is right now? 50 degrees. It looks really cold. It's also they St. Patrick's Day was a couple like a week ago. So the the river is still green. The warmest water temperature in Lake Michigan today is 37.8 degrees. Sounds unpleasant. I wouldn't I wouldn't hop in there. All right, final question. Favorite movie that has a scene in Chicago not counting the <laughs> uh, isn't Ferris Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Isn't that in Chicago? 
Shake I'm it a- up, baby, now shake it up, baby. Twist I'm ashamed to say that I've never it's seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, come on. That's a great one. It's made, My parents have been begging me to watch it for a while, and so I think Bueller. I've just been a little bit resistant. Bueller. Anyone? Bueller. Uh, so Ferris Bueller scenes were filmed at several locations in downtown Chicago. But is it set in Chicago? Well, that's where, yeah. Don't question me. I've seen the movie. The scene, the scene itself is like he's in a parade in downtown Chicago. That's where they filmed it. But he lives in the suburbs. And it's supposed to, it's it's like supposed to be in Chicago. The the place where I'm working, the quick service restaurant, they're like curbside delivery opens up onto this road where they filmed the the scene in the dark night where they're going underneath mm, yeah. the road and he's the Joker's characters in the, the semi truck. Anyways, so I'm basically serving Gotham. Yeah, you you in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, I yeah, would have I my knee jerk reaction was to go with the firm just because there's the great scene towards the end where he goes to meet the mob. No spoil spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh or I think cheaper by the dozen I think that's based in Chicago. We should do an Oscar episode. We should. But in the meantime, we should wrap up this episode. <laughs> yeah. We got a mailbag question we need to we need to answer. We don't want to let our, our listener down. All right, well, why don't you go ahead and tackle that one? Morgan from Utah wanted to know, what does roasting coffee actually mean? Question seems pretty earnest, and let's just get right to it. Roasting transforms the green coffee beans into the aromatic and flavorful coffee that makes and wakes our senses every morning. Roasting beans, however, at different levels achieves more than merely darkening the bean. It also changes many of the beans' physical attributes. So what you're doing when you roast coffee is changing the physical attributes of the coffee that make it taste the way that it does. There are three, as many people will know, like you see this on your, you buy your coffee bag at the local store. It'll typically say if it's a light, medium, or dark roast. Light roasted coffee is characterized primarily by the light brown color of the beans, the lack of oil on the beans and the light body or, vis- or viscosity of the bean. These beans are allowed to reach a temperature of only 350 to 410 degrees. That's typically what makes it a light roast. When roasting, beans typically pop at around 350 degrees. So it actually makes a popping sound. This popping sound, known as the first crack, serves as the cue that the beans have reached a light roast. As beans roast darker, both the caffeine content and origin flavors roast themselves out. A medium roast takes place just before the second crack or second pop and is usually roasted between 410 and 440 degrees Fahrenheit. Darker roasts are slightly less acidic and have the least caffeine of all of the roasts. So the longer the coffee bean is roasted, the less caffeine it's going to have. And the longer you have it roasted, the darker it's roasted, the more likely it is that your coffee is going to taste more and more like charcoal, which is why Santa typically gives dark roasts to the kids who've been naughty this year. It was a reference to Cole. It was supposed to be a joke. So Morgan in Utah, if that joke didn't land, I apologize. I do take your question very seriously. Morgan, thanks for being a listener. We appreciate your questions. 
Thanks for sipping local, and I'm sure you're tipping well. All right, that is a wrap for this episode of the Independent Grind podcast. Give us a follow on Instagram, the underscore Independent Grind, and drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the grind as much as we do. And as always, email us your questions and thoughts to yourindependentgrind at gmail.com. Until we meet again next Tuesday, sip local and tip well.